It's a real privilege to stand here and speak with you today. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Linda. I know there's only 52 precious Sundays in a year that you guys get to shepherd this flock. So it's no small thing to have this space today. And thank you, Carly, for setting us up last week on the, um, yeah, on that, the foundation of which we can amplify God's love to others. If you weren't here last week, please catch that um, sermon. Carly kind of helped us understand what it means to be rooted and founded in that place of safe and secure sonship and daughtership in order to extend God's love. It is really my joy to speak to you this month, especially Mission Month. Um, If I've not met you before, my name is Kim. Um, I am wife to Adam, I am mum to Annika and Eric, um, and I actually grew up just down the road from here, um, but in 20, oh, in the year 2000, um, I left uh, to move overseas and actually was away for 20 years and came back in 2020, that really auspicious year. Um, and in that time that I was away, I have been privileged to be a college student in America. I was a military U.S. military Navy wife for over a decade, and then we were sent missionaries with pioneers of USA to the fabulous little country in Europe, Czech Republic. Um, Today I plan to share with you a little piece about God's heart for mission. I want to share with you some examples of people living missionally in pioneering contexts, and we want to take a closer look at how we can participate with God on mission But before I do, I'd love to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, it has been a week. Um, Father, I think of all the people on this Sunday around the globe that are in church contexts like ours, or maybe not like ours, but with the same heart, just coming before you, knowing, God, that we do not know true justice, but you do. And we do not know true righteousness, but you do. We don't know true mercy, but you do. And so we ask, Lord, that you um, you reign over all those things. We can hear the earth groaning in Afghanistan. We can hear the hearts of the cries of the people in Myanmar and Libya and the Ukraine and Russia and, of course, Israel and Palestine. Father, thank you that we live in a moment that the nations are before our eyes. Um, And as we stand and consider today your heart for the nations, we speak to each of us individually, Holy Spirit, about how you have gifted us with experience, with connections, with opportunities to love others in order to be on mission with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. A few Sundays ago, um, I was sitting at lunch as I do often on Sundays with a group of friends, and I was just talking about this um, theme of Amplify. And one of my friends said, Kim, do you even know how a megaphone works? And I said, I guess I don't. (laughs) Um, And two things I learned from that conversation, thank you, Joff. One, that megaphones 
This seems really obvious when I say it out loud. Megaphones channel and direct or focus sound. Um, and they increase sound by a series of multiple reflections of those sound waves bouncing back and forth in that cone to provide a severely amplified output compared to the input. Um, and I just wanted to share that because as we're thinking about amplifying the gospel, we can think about how to channel and focus God's love and the gospel and how that input translates into speaking not necessarily loudly, but courageously and clearly the message of the gospel. But I want to begin at the beginning. Whose idea was it anyway? How do we fit in here? If I was to ask you who or where did missions start, what would you say? Perhaps you would gravitate toward the epistles. It's easy to see how Paul, with his mysterious mission to the Gentiles, could be the beginning of missions. His missionary journeys are traced for us in the back of our Bibles. Um, or perhaps you think about Jesus, like OG missionary, coming from one context and crossing boundaries over to this one, um, embodying God's love and sacrificial um, service to us. But if we cast our eyes over the canon of Scripture, we can actually trace God's missional heart right from the very beginning. Before the epistles, before the gospel accounts, think back to Genesis to see how God's mission, that is the reconciling work of God, started with the Abrahamic covenant. And so we read in Genesis 12, one to three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In God's promise to Abraham, we see that this, his long-term plan was not just for the salvation of Israel, but for all the nations. And what's interesting about this sentiment is that it's repeated throughout Genesis five times three times to Abraham, once to Jacob, and once to Isaac. So we read in Genesis 18, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And in Genesis 22, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 26, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And lastly, in Genesis 28, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through the covenant God made with Abraham and his family, amplified through his line by way of King David, culminating in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how? How is it amplified? How is it focused in direction and increased in volume? A few things I want to highlight. Firstly, the theocentric nature of the covenant of God. Constantly over these passages, God keeps saying, I will, I will, I will. It is God's mission, it's not ours. Missio Dei is the mission of God, it belongs to God. Now the vehicle in which blessing will occur to the nations are the people of God. It is through God's people on earth that God will reach the nations. Now from where we sit in history, we can look back at these prophecies and see that through that line of Abraham came Jesus through whom all people can be blessed. Yet the vehicle through which God's mission is accomplished to the nations is his people. In Hebrews 11, it says of Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. 
And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. We see that in this passage, also, it is also by faith, by obedience, and that laser-focused vision on eternity that God's mission was amplified through Abraham. I love verse 10. For he was looking forward to that city with foundations, whose designer and builder is God. As we trace God's missional heart to the nations through Genesis alone, we can see that his reconciling message for the nations is through faithful people who are called into obedience, knowing that it is God's mission that they get to participate in and serve as instruments in his hand. The biblical narrative has a missional direction. It moves from one family to the nations, one geographical location to the, end, to the ends of the earth. It is a God-driven amplification. The missional dimension of belonging to God is that we are called to mission for the sake of the world. And on the horizon of the missional story is the nations. This is how I think about amplification when we're thinking about God. First of all, God's doing, it's God's beating heart that a people from every, every ethne, from every people group on earth would have the opportunity to hear and respond to the message of God. And on a personal level, God works in us and then through us to be channels of salvific blessing to the world. A transformed life is the amplification of the gospel, working in you and through you. You see, you were not just saved from something, sin and death. You were saved for something, showcasing and gifting this message to others. God's love through the gospel is a gift to be passed on. It is for you, but as it works in you, it moves through you for the sake of others. Now, just as there are those five resounding confirmations in Genesis, for Abraham, through Abraham to bless the nations, there are five passages in the New Testament that reiterate that amplification to take the message of God's love and the gospel to the nations. So by now, Jesus has broken into history, his birth, his death, his life, and his resurrection are the culmination of all those Old Testament prophecies, and that gift of rescue and redemption is on offer for all. And these five commissions are for all of us. Perhaps you know the first one as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Mark, it's like this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 24, 47 gives this nuance and that repentance that the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And then there's John, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And Acts 1.8, that thematic verse for our month. But you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit um, that has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, their neighbourhood, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So why mission? Because God's heart is for missions. And when you love someone, their heart, becomes your heart. 
I used to be a military wife and Adam would leave on six month deployments. And sometimes we had the opportunity to speak really regularly and then there was a season where it was 15 minute phone calls each week. And there were some nights where I found myself missing Adam and I would sit on the couch and flick through his Netflix queue and watch something that he liked to watch, not necessarily something that I would have chosen for myself, which is how I came to love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> um, I think there's this, I keep on saying it's Brooklyn 911 because I think that there's something in my brain that just like cannot be okay about actually liking it. But I do because, because Adam loves it. And on those nights when Adam wasn't there and there were many nights that he wasn't, I would watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But it's that same sentiment. I missed Adam and there was something about, you know, Adam being away in the middle of the ocean or somewhereville, Middle East. And I missed him and loved him and to watch something he loved became something I loved. Fast forward a couple of years and this is how we would talk about our why when we were support raising to become missionaries to the Czech Republic. Um, it felt like as we grew closer to God, as we crawled up into our father's lap and we like leant in and put our ear on his chest, we could hear his beating heart for missions. And as we got to know God more deeply, his heart for missions became our heart. And God is doing a beautiful and good thing. His upside down kingdom is advancing through weak, broken people, missionaries who would otherwise happily be known as beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. Let's not think of mission only for those special people out there and us in here. It's not that God's people have a mission for God in the world. It's rather that the God of mission has his people in the world. Now, for some, this is a call to the nations. For others, this is a call to our near neighbours. But all are called, some across the fence, some across the border, and some across the ocean. Tim Dearborn writes this. It is insufficient to proclaim that the church of God has a mission in the world. Rather, the God of mission has a church in the world. Grasp this inversion of subject and object and participation in God's mission will become a joyous, life-giving privilege. Miss it, and mission involvement will eventually degenerate into a wearisome, overwhelming duty. Do you know the feeling of the burden of mission on your shoulders? If we understand that the God of mission has us in the world for a purpose, then it is a joy to discover what vital role we play in his kingdom come. We are invited to participate in God's generous love, bringing heaven to earth through us. We are invited as we are, our gifts, our brokenness, our experiences, our pain, all of us, to participate in God's mission as we are transformed by the gospel, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My boss loves to tell this story um, of a cleaner who worked at NASA. In 1962, President John F. Kennedy was taking a tour of the NASA facility. He'd never been before. Um, and during his tour, he uh, met a janitor who was carrying a broom in the hallway. And the president casually asked the janitor what he did for NASA as if it wasn't obvious. And the janitor replied, I am helping put a man on the moon. 
It was his joy to keep those hallways clean because he understood his role as part of that larger mission. And it was an extraordinary mission. He was putting a man on the moon. But we get to participate in something even grander. Steve Richardson is the president of Pioneers USA, and he writes this in his newest book. The Great Commission is the most ambitious undertaking in the history of the world. Yep, that's what it says. My notes say the same thing. (laughs) It involves hundreds of millions of people and spans thousands of years. It encompasses a vast number of languages, cultures, and locations. No other endeavour, even the creation of the cosmos itself, compares with the audacity of God's redemptive plan. Adding shock to astonishment, God has entrusted a significant measure of this monumental task to weak-kneed men and women like you and me. God's love through the gospel is a gift to be passed on. It is for you. But as it works in you, it moves through you for the sake of others. But how are others around the globe amplifying God's love and the gospel? I wanted to share with you something that was written by Robin Jeesman. She is a member of one community sent through Pioneers of Australia, and she is the founder of Turntable, a residential housing facility for at-risk youth in San Francisco, a place to give them a sense of secure self and home. And I asked her, how do you amplify the gospel and God's love in the context that you are in? And this is what she writes. It is my intention to serve in these tough neighbourhoods and communities where gun violence and trauma, trafficking and homelessness is extremely high. Flowing out of my own rested state and close walk with the Lord, I am aimed to bring peace through relationship. This could look like social work on face value, but it's more than that. It's continuing to listen with the spirit to the needs and help when it is equipping and not enabling. Listening and talking things through, attaching the things of Jesus with word and deed intentionally. The poverty and social need is extremely important but must not occur on its own. It must have the Holy Spirit and the word of God integrated for full transformation. Amplification takes place on so many different levels and everyone from the individual being walked alongside to the broader community and the church are all edified and drawn in deeper. It's beautiful, isn't it? There are a few things I want to highlight in her reflections. One is her evident close relationship with the Trinity, or as my one of my co-workers likes to say, the beautiful three. It's really obvious that Robin's heart is cultivated first from knowing and loving God and being attentive to the Spirit's voice. I love that she sees herself as a conduit of peace an amplifier of God's peace in her. The gift of God's peace is being passed on, working in Robin and moving through her for the sake of at-risk youth. Secondly, there is a very tangible relationship between true transformation through meeting physical needs and with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The gospel is both action and deed and proclamation. As the Lord highlights individuals, there is opportunity for her to share the gospel and it is intentional as well as it is spirit-led. Lastly, I love that she highlights that ripple effect of the amplification of God's love. Not only is the individual impacted, but the broader community and the church edified and drawn deeper. Last week, uh, the week before last, um, Adam and I had the surprising blessing of meeting up with our Czech pastor, from when we lived in Berno. 
I was almost in giggly disbelief the entire time during the dinner together. You can see he took this photo and I just look like I'm going to explode. Um, when, we left, when we left the Czech Republic, we left feeling a little bit like failures. We'd spent four years supporting this small remnant church there. And honestly, our biggest investment was learning a Slavic language. I don't know if we have any Slavic speakers in the house, but I cannot even begin to communicate the languishing, tiresome, brain-bending task it was to get our heads around a case system, a declension system, conjugating, and then like 14 versions of for every one word we knew in English. It was slow, dark, hidden work, but it was necessary to humble ourselves and to learn to communicate in their heart language. And we made all of our decisions there as if we were going to stay for life. My daughter went to this Czech state school. Um, we adopted our son there. Incidentally, we were the first foreign, foreign couple in southern Moravia to have ever adopted a Czech child. <laughs> we really worked hard to put roots down there, and it was an abrupt leaving for us due to family reasons. But we left feeling like all we had done was till dry soil. Now, nearing the end of our time there, a constellation of our friends said they wanted to just learn more about church planting. And so um, we started a book club. We started a church planting book club where we would have dinner and read books about church planting. And because there were no books in Czech written about church planting, we would consider what did American writers and English writers um, say and how would that translate into a Czech context. But we left just as it was starting and so we entrusted it to faithful friends. But just last week sitting at a bank restaurant on Collins Street with Pastor Petter, he told us the story of the book club that had seeded a church plant that started after we left. And he told us the story of how it seeded and it sprouted and it grew leaves and it lost leaves and it grew buds. <laughs> I was like, I can't fit a hanky in here because I can't get to it and now I'm crying. Um, but it was so beautiful. Our faithful friends are living such cross-cultural, missional lives in post-communist Czech Republic, leading their friends to Christ, praying for people on the streets, and welcoming in whole, hard, broken people into the family of God. And all we did was be faithful to... <laughs> I thought I wouldn't do this. <laughs> All we did was be faithful to the small things that God had entrusted us here, and he grew something out of it. And it was not our doing. It was all God, but it was just timely and beautiful to hear from Pastor Petter in, like, super broken English what had happened. Um, and then there are our dear honey buns, another family sent from one serving with pioneers at Hope International School in Cambodia. And I know that they would also be the first to tell you that they're not doing anything different um, than they were doing here in Melbourne. Adam Honeybun serves as a principal at Hope International School, but his school serves 305 children from 30 different passport languages who, whose families are, are ministering to the unreached in Cambodia. Hope International has enabled missionaries and Christian workers to stay on the field for more than 20 years. And these are the ministries the school supports through the amplification of educa uh, 
yeah, through amplification, this is how um, these families stay in Cambodia. How is that for amplification? And that's not even all the ministries. I couldn't fit them on the slide because Aidan told me I had to keep it at a certain size font. (laughs) And I cheated, I made it smaller. (laughs) But what is beautiful is the Halivan's heart and their acknowledgement that any miraculous amplification is the work of God. This is what Adam writes. I love the parable of the sower. I think God calls us to be like that farmer, to go out and scatter seeds in obedience. Some of that seed will be eaten by birds, land on rocky ground or among thorns, and some will land in good soil, and we are called to do our part. And we fool ourselves if we think that we can convince someone to repent without the influence of the Holy Spirit, whose job it is to do all of the amplification of God's love. What we do here at Hope is not unique or special As a school principal, my day-to-day probably looks similar to the day-to-day of a local school leader. There are members of one church who are living lives of obedience and serving God in Melbourne too. You can hear his faithful, obedient heart, can't you? The Honeybound's heart have caught the vision of God's missional heart and they have seen God's amplification through the gospel in their context. They serve as they are gifted, faithfully, obediently by the grace of God, supporting the ministry of Christian workers to the unreached. But they also acknowledge that all of you, some former co-workers, are doing the same faithful work right here in Melbourne. Because God's love through the gospel is a gift to be passed on. It is for you. It works in you. It moves through you for the sake of others. So we cannot think of those missionary people and us in here as if there's some sacred divide between the called and the others. In reality, in God's reality, he is just as on mission out there as he is in here. And he has called you to be conduits of peace, of love, of mercy, of truth, of justice in your own patch of the earth. My boss likes to remind us that the word go in Matthew 28, 19 can be translated as, as you are going. As you are going to work, make disciples. As you are going about your day as a mum, as a teacher, as a lawyer, an accountant, a fashion designer, a pharmacist, make disciples, preach the gospel. But what is your in? What is your point of need in the sphere of which Jesus in your sphere for which Jesus offers an answer. I spent, like I said, over a decade as a military spouse in the Navy. And in congregations and house churches around the world, you can, full of military members, you can imagine how much they love victorious Jesus. Um, they love that part of the gospel, the rescuer, the redeemer. Uh, it makes me think of that Leland song. He's coming on the clouds. His kings and kings will bow down. The battle belongs to God. He's roaring like a lion. And you can understand that. He's fighting our battles. Of course they do because it's in their culture. They are the biggest military power in the world. And a victorious Jesus is not wrong. Victorious Jesus is true. He is beautiful and he is needed. But for the victory-loving American military member, that aspect of the gospel is attractive. It's an in. It's a cultural soft spot to which then you can be speaking more about the whole gospel. But when we worked in the Czech Republic, we had to shed that victorious Jesus speak real quick because the cultural history of the Czech Republic is not one of victory. 
I remember one of our Czech friends saying that his grandmother lived in this part of the Czech Republic that over the course of her life she had never moved, but she had been, she had lived in like seven different states or countries, having never moved because of their history of oppression. And their cultural history does involve a lot of oppression, whether it be the Austro-Hungarian Empire or the Catholic Church or communism. And so their soft spot was suffering. And I remember this moment when I was sitting in a Bible study with my friend Bara, and I said to her, Bara, what is it that you love about Jesus? What is it that attracts you to Jesus? And she said, Kim, I cannot imagine the incomprehensible torture and physical pain inflicted on him that communicated love to her. She couldn't believe that someone would want to save her in that way. And in that moment, I realized it wasn't victorious Jesus. It was the man of sorrows for which was the end to the gospel for which we could then explore more. And if I reflect back, I could hear it. So much of Czech worship music was in minor keys. That, it's true. Um, they need new songs, but that was the point of need in which the gospel was tender. So for you, in your everyday Jerusalem, what are the points of need for which the gospel can penetrate? Do you live in a culture where your authentic self still feels like it falls short? The gospel says real authenticity is worked out in the arms of a loving father because he formed you and he knows you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we can say to him, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and trust that despite our imperfections, he is faithful to forgive. He lavishes us with grace. He covers us with his own sacrifice. You are not perfect, but your imperfection is not the epitome. Jesus is perfect. You don't need to be because he is. So keep your eyes on him. He is the author and perfecter of your faith and free others to do the same. Do you live in a culture where everyone is defined by the hurt done to them? We know a man who endured the ultimate trauma for the joy set before him, emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, humbling himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he endured it out of love for we do not, so that we do not have to be defined by what we have done or what we haven't done or what has been done to us, but by what God has done on your behalf. Be a herald for that beautiful message to those who need it. Do you live in a culture of where who you are is how you perform? Do your shoulders ache from the striving and the fretting? Does your neck hurt from craning to see how you measure up against other people? Friends, he offers you rest. Rest in Christ's work. Rest in his accomplishment. Come to him, all who labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him, for he is gentle and he is lowly, and he will give you rest for your souls. Be free to perform out of worship, but let go of what is about proving yourself. You've got nothing to prove to a dad who already loves you. Be encouraged to speak that freedom to others who are trapped in that hamster wheel of perfection. How is your heart understanding more of what it's like to be like Jesus? Examine those subcultures of your life. How is the gospel moving through you? Where are those opportunities to love other people and uncover those soft spots and speak those true and hopeful things?
God is on mission out there as he is in here. And amplification doesn't necessarily mean those grand gestures of service or putting yourself in those hard-to-reach places. Some of us are called to serve people somewhere else in the world where there are no churches and few Christians. And if you sense God stirring in you that to take that leap of faith in that direction, the world is literally your oyster. There are millions and millions of people waiting to hear about Jesus through you. You can amplify the gospel where others are not and you can come and talk to me after the service. But sometimes and maybe often, the amplification of the gospel and God's love is that hard, hidden, dark work among our close neighbours. Just as we do life, we get to be the fragrance of Christ among the people around us. Last year, I heard that there are more inroads for the gospel in the Arab world through Indonesian housemaids than there are through Western Christian workers. Indonesian housemaids who cook, who clean, who do the laundry, who tuck those kids in at, to, to tuck those kids in at bed at night. They have opened the eyes to the gospel in closed countries more than the big Western missions machine. I love this quote from Chad Bird. In little ways, over long periods of time, with the patience of eternity, he is recreating us by his word in his church to walk out the doors of the sanctuary, bearing on our lips the language of light to speak into a world choking in darkness. The ways in which we become amplifiers is God's doing. Be encouraged to understand and love God's heart for the nations. Recognize God's mission as his and the privilege it is to be a part of it. And lastly, I exhort you, listen and trust the Spirit's work in you because God's love through the gospel is a gift to be passed on. And as you seek to understand how the gospel pertains to every facet of your life, it will move through you in that missional direction toward the horizon of the nations for the sake of others. It cannot be helped. It is God's heart. He says in Psalm 46, and you know these words, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So I want to finish just by taking a moment to do that, to be still, knowing that he is God. And I encourage you, as you're sitting in your seat, to close your eyes and consider that question I asked of my friend Bara in that Bible study in the Czech Republic. What is it about God, about Jesus or the Spirit that attracts you to him? How does that reveal a felt need in your life and the lives of others around you. What is your gospel
Father God, thank you that we can approach your throne with confidence and boldness because Jesus, you bought this moment. Spirit, we are humbled that you would work in us and through us to be channels of your blessing to the nations. Bring to mind our first love of Jesus. Bring to us an image, a feeling, a word, a story that enlarges our heart about Jesus and reveals to us our gospel ends in the communities that you have put us. Give us wisdom to discern what that soft spot is in our family culture, in our work culture, in our neighbourhood culture that is answered by Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. God, give us a fire for your written word. Show us your heart for the nations. Work in us and through us. And as you do, God, be blessed. May you be glorified as you transform lives, amplifying the gospel to our neighbourhoods and our nations for our good and your glory. Amen.